the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? This is the question that's posed by the lawyer in the gospel for this morning. And it's not a new question either. As mortality rate is 100%, the question naturally arises like this. What happens when I die? Or what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now certainly there are people who think that you simply cease to exist after you die. Yet a good number of religions believe there are some sort of reward for those who do good in this life. And also, on the other hand, there are some sort of punishment for those who do bad. Well, the Word of God reveals to us that there are two and only two states of existence after physical death. Heaven and hell. Heaven is the place of eternal, gracious, and saving presence of Jesus, where there's no sin or death, there's no pain or suffering. Hell, on the other hand, is a place of eternal torment and punishment under God's wrath. And so all the question has been asked, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Well, the lawyer in the gospel for this morning, wasn't a lawyer in our modern-day sense of the term, as one who stands before a judge arguing a case. No, the lawyer in today's gospel is one who had been trained in the Torah, in the Old Testament, in the tradition of the Jews. And he asked Jesus this question not to gain wisdom, because he already knew the answer in his mind. It was his works, his righteousness. And so he asked Jesus, what shall I do to inherit eternal life in order to test Jesus? And yet Jesus, as true God in human flesh and blood, could see right through this man. And he responds to this lawyer's question with a question of his own. What is written in the law? How do you read it? And the lawyer answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he's right. The Ten Commandments could be summarized, can't, should be summarized in this way. Love for God and love for neighbor. Love as St. Paul writes in his letter to the Romans, is the fulfilling of the law. You are to love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength and with all of your mind because God is the one who created you. God is the one who redeemed you with his blood. God is the one who sanctifies you. That is, makes you holy. And apart from God, you have no good thing in this life, or in the life to come. And as you're to love God, you're also to love your neighbor. Now, why is this? Well, as God first loved you and has given you all good things, you're to live in love towards your neighbor. It turns you outside of yourself. And who is your neighbor, you might ask? 
It's anyone who comes across your path. You know their name. You see their faces. You interact with them on some sort of level. They're the ones in your home. They're the ones at work or at your school. And they're the ones sitting in the pew next to you. And so back to the lawyer's question, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, do this and you will live. That is, love God and love your neighbor and you will live. Now while, the, while Jesus confronts the lawyer with what God's law truly demands... The lawyer seeks to find loopholes. He seeks to argue. He seeks to redefine terms of God's law until he feels like he can merit eternal life by his own reason or strength. And so desiring to justify himself, the lawyer says to Jesus, Who is my neighbor? Well, it's here where Jesus tells us the parable of the Good Samaritan. In order to show us the depth of God's command for us to love our neighbor. Jesus says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him, departed, leaving him half dead. Now this was roughly about a 17 mile trip from Jerusalem to Jericho and it went down about 1800 feet. And this was a dangerous journey. Men could be hiding in caves, or robbers could be hiding in caves, and at a moment's notice would come out, beat you, take your possessions, killing you or leaving you half dead. As was what happened to the man in our parable. Attacked by the robbers, beaten, stripped of his clothes, lying there half dead, the man was helpless. Unable to do anything. But God be praised, a priest who was going down that road. I mean, the priest was going down that road and possibly could help him. This priest had likely finished his rounds at the temple and was heading home. And he saw this man in need. And yet, what does he do? Nothing. Instead of stopping by to help the man, he passes by on the other side. Well, thankfully, there was another chance for somebody to help. There came a Levite. Now, a Levite is involved in helping run the logistics of the temple. He came to the same place, saw the same man, but he too passed by on the other side. Now, why had these two Jews, and not only Jews, but men who were respected members of the community, men who were intimately involved in the work of God and the temple, why would these holy men not stop by and help? Well, perhaps they feared that the robbers would jump out and get them. Perhaps they thought this man was dead, and as a result, by touching him would become ceremonially unclean. Well, no matter the case, the text doesn't really say, but we know that these men didn't stop by to help the man. 
God be praised, there came a third man. And yet Jesus says it was a Samaritan. As he journeyed, came to where the man was. Now, if you know anything about Samaritans, is that, first and foremost, they're hated by Jews. They were a part of a people uh, uh, that was adulterated by intermarriage, right? Whose observance to Judaism was regarded as corrupt. And ultimately, they were considered outsiders to God's covenant people. They were to be avoided. They were hated by the Jews. And yet, Jesus uses this man as an image of compassion. Jesus uses this Samaritan, this man, as the one who fulfills God's law of love to his neighbor. He's the one who binds up uh, the wounds of this man by pouring on oil and wine. He places the man on his own animal. He takes him to an inn to care for him even throughout the night. And then the next day, needing to go on his way, he takes out two denarii and gives it to the innkeeper, saying, take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Now, which of these three, the priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan, which of these three proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers. The Samaritan, of course. Only he had compassion on this man. Only he showed the man mercy. And through this parable, Jesus seeks to confront you this day with what the law of God truly demands. He seeks to confront you this day with what's required of you to inherit eternal life. And in God's law, you won't find any loopholes. You can't argue your way out of it. You can't redefine terms until you think you've managed to keep God's law of love. Jesus says to you today, do this. That is, love God, love your neighbor, and you will live. And yet when we're confronted with this law of love, at the end of the day, we're confronted with our sin. Sins like this priest with omission and prayer and care and love for others. Sins like the Levite following the example of others along life's road rather than following the example of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We even have sins like the robbers who in looking out for themselves leave others wounded on the road of life through our actions, through our words. And as a result, each and every single one of us must confess, I haven't loved God. I haven't loved my neighbor like I should. Because of sin, I don't deserve life but eternal death. As St. Paul writes, the wages of sin is death. And so looking at the lawyer's question again, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? The answer is nothing. There's nothing you can do of your own power or strength to inherit eternal life. 
Certainly God would have each and every single one of us repent of our sins. And yet, while he would have us repent of our sins, he would not have us be given over to despair. In fact, he would have you look at this parable once again and see that Jesus is the Good Samaritan. Jesus is the Good Samaritan who wasn't only hated by the Jews, but by the entire world. He's the neighbor who finds you lying on the road to hell, beaten up by sin and death. And in his compassion, he goes to you. He pours out not oil and wine, but his very body and blood on the cross for you. And it's there on the cross where he was pierced for your transgressions. He was crushed for your iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought you peace. And it's through the wounds of Christ that your wounds are healed and that you're given eternal life with God. And your crucified, risen Savior, Jesus Christ, continues to take care of you even today. He brings you into His church, that is, His inn of rest and recovery. And through His innkeepers, that is, His pastor, He applies His word of forgiveness to your sinful wounds. He anoints you with oil through the waters of holy baptism, bestowing upon you the gift of eternal life. And he binds up your wounds and restores you to newness of life with the healing wine that is his blood at this altar and his body. And as God has given you all good things Through the blood of Christ, you now seek to live in love toward those around you, to those in your home, to those in your office and in your classroom, to those sitting in the pew next to you. He seeks to have you to show compassion to all those who are in need. For God loved us when we were unlovable, so it is that our love and care for our neighbor knows no limits. Ultimately, this lawyer's question, that is, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Well, it's the wrong question. The right question is, what has Jesus done, and what does he continue to do for me so that I might inherit eternal life? The answer is everything. As God in human flesh and blood, Jesus lived the perfect life for you. He kept the commandments perfect for you. And He died and rose from the grave for you. And having ascended into heaven for you, He lives today bringing you all the gifts of heaven. His forgiveness, His eternal life, and His salvation. God be praised. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord.